0: يا أيها الذين آمنوا أطيعوا الله وأطيعوا الرسول وأولي الأمر منكم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه uh, welcome all our viewers across the world onto our Islamic program, The Daily Surgery, that gives us the opportunity that to address the day-to-day aspects of our deen right here in Islam Channel Studio and your present, as usual. I am Sheikh Suleiman Iskibouk and I would like Allah, to welcome you to this program, inshallah, where we can exchange light some uh, very important uh, shared knowledge and guidance on aspects related to our day to day aspects of our deen and as usual we start by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the almighty, the cherisher and the sustainer for the continued blessings most important of which is the blessing of iman. I was actually today touched by a sermon that was given uh, today in um, by the mufti and the imam of the um, I think it was the Imam of the Grand Mosque in Makkata al-Mukarramah, uh, where he talked about the the opportunity of using technology and what te- technological advancement has got to offer to mankind. How it pushes communication, bridges the gap and the distance, but at the same time. He warned us about the dangers of misusing and abusing but at the level of being addicted so much to the, for example, what we know of the social media sites, uh, social media and its misuse and let alone abuse in the way that it actually takes away one of the most important, you know, blessings that Allah has granted mankind, which all the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uh, mentioned and they say that. There are two blessings in which mankind should really try to make the biggest bargain and take the best advantage of. That is as good health, welfare, and free time. When you look at our free time, we very much often use it actually. You know, in a way that doesn't benefit us especially given how many um, you know, social groups you might happen to be on and how much information that is you know, being exchanged every moment and now some of which is really meaningless uh, trans- uh, technology and media platforms have transferred and given a new you know a momentum to what would have been subhanallah a condemnable behavior we use technology to backbite, to slander and gossip and talk, even character assassinate many of our people. And some of the information that is shared, subhanAllah, is, uh, you know, does not add any value to mankind. And at the time of the Prophet, wasallam, you look at the equivalent of what you call the social medias, at the time of the Rasulullah, the Prophet said, I warn you about spending so much time in public places, and most profound of which people used to gather along the streets. You may know, for example, along a certain road, there might be some station which happen to be very busy, and people converging there every evening. And the Prophet Sallallahu warned his companion that beware about the dangers of converging on those stations along the road. And then the companions say, "Rasulullah, This is our station where we meet and exchange communication between us. And then he said to them, If you find that you cannot resist the temptation of meeting these places, then make sure you do observe the etiquettes and the rights that those places and the the meeting, the conver the, the convergences demand of you. And when he was asked, then he was told, keep your eyes down. Okay? And someone greets to you, says alaikum, you know, you know, you know, reply back in the best form. bil and make sure whatever you do, you are promoting the goodness. And make sure they the you are the force. Against any kind of you know, evil or any wrongdoing. When you look at subhanAllah, how the Thuruqat at the time of Rasulullah be him, have been transformed into our time now, they've been transformed. The Thuruqat, those stations have now been brought not only in our homesteads, but deep down into under your, you know, under your duvet. Someone would be inside his duvet, covering himself I still him on the phone browsing, and sending, and exchanging, and reading, and laughing, and gossiping, and character assassination. So I think the khutbah was very, very important, one of the things we need. And especially with our youngster, they need a lot of help and a lot of guidance. And subhanAllah, even the forces that are there to tap into that precious free time for the children and the adults, they are really working tireless to make sure that they defeat the forces of goodness so that they can win the battle and take advantage of your free time. When you are chilling and kicking your feet up in your bed, and they they can still reach you there and reach you and the message comes, you set up the you know the notification and you keep your eyes glued on the pad, on the phone. So you've got to be very careful. What the Prophet talked about is exactly that. How many of, how many people when they, who use that you know the, the technology in learning the Quran every now and then? How much time are we dedicating to educating ourselves and visiting websites that are beneficial, and develop and add value to our iman and our you know moral aptitudes and moral and our character? So we really have to be very careful. I mean, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make it easy for all of us, and uh, Inshallah, that is um, that was at the beginning. And at the moment, we have some questions that have been sent to us. One of them is the sheikh. Someone says, what's the ruling on digital photos? I think digital photos, uh, you you know, a photo, if you're talking about a photography or a picture, um, of course, we know there are some essential photographs. And even if you don't, we we talk outside the limits of Islam, we know that under conventional wisdoms, we see it in, often in our schools, for example, where schools should, should not have the, the liberty to take pictures, not only for the, for the students, but even staff members. Everyone has got the right to say, no, I don't want my picture to be take, to put the public use. And uh, so to question whether the, the, the legality is a justifiable question. Now, when it comes to Islamic perspective, uh, there are so many to, you know, the statements of the Prophet that appear, uh, to be condemning, uh, you know, the use, taking of unnecessary photographs. So I would say digital photographs, if it's a picture that is, is necessary, it is for justifiable reason. I can only wrap it up into that statement. If it is for justifiable reason, then there is nothing wrong at all. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a sketched one. As you know, for example, picture can be sketched. Uh, for the purpose of identifying the culprit, maybe the suspected murder and it cannot be traced and there is only picture of him, he can be sketched and that would be a justifiable reason. So I would say if you think that this is not justifiable, don't do it, but it becomes an outright and an absolute haram, absolute haram if it is intended to cause harm or to cause uh, harm to other people, to hurt or to harm other people whether it's going to cause uh, emotional harm or psychological harm, then that should not be taken, whether it is digital, whether it is uh, you know uh, a, a physical photograph or a sketched one, all this should not be. And how often do we find, especially nowadays, where you can use the digital editor, and subhanallah, you can even make someone appear to be a victim or a culprit in a situation, when it actually is no longer so we've got to be very, very careful. technology as we mentioned has advanced and transformed so many things, and we've got to be very careful about the things that we do. if it is not necessary and it's not justifiable, then you've got nothing to lose. you use that energy, use that energy to do and promote other good things. if someone a child was born this morning, say at seven o'clock, may Allah bless us with the children and then. Um, between seven o'clock when the child was born, by 6 p.m. in the evening, the mother dies, right? So you said, you know, the child, you're talking about a child who died two days later. But I'm talking about a child who was born this morning, and then by 6 p.m., one of the parents passes away. And then two days later, Allah, Allah, the child dies. Now, I will tell you what happens here. If the child is alive, right? then the death of the mother or the father later on entitles this child to inheritance. If the one, if the, if the deceased parent was a millionaire, this child will have a, a proportion of the deceased father because by that particular moment, this mother or father dies as a father. Okay, he died with the title of a father to this child, whether it is the first one or the second one. If he's the only one, he becomes a father and a parent by virtue of this child. If it was the second one, he becomes a second-time parent by virtue of this child. So as soon as a child is born, there are follows implications. The moment that child dies, whether he died after one hour or two hours or three hours, when he, the child dies after one hour, And imagine between the moment he was born, the child had already an account set up in his or her name. The moment the child dies three hours later, anyone who she leaves behind, if she left a brother or a sister or a mother and a father, the money she left in the account will definitely, in this case, will have to be shared in a completely different approach. In other words, the entitlement of the parents becomes different to the money they set up for their child simply because now she died as a child and there are regulations that relate to a child as soon as she is born. As a result, those regulations are not only about inheritance, but they do also relate about aqiqah, but they also relate uh, to, um, um, of course, other aspects that are that might be involved. You don't look at just as a child, but as soon as the child is born, then all the associated perspective becomes effective. So yes, to put in a, a nutshell, definitely even if the child died before the aqiqah was done, it is enough that Allah granted the family of the, the child even if he died. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi statement, Every single child should be ransomed by sacrificing an Aqeeqa, which is paid on the part of the parents. So as soon as the child is born, they an obligation, a duty becomes due on the parents to uh, to offer either one lamb or two lambs in case they are boys or one in case they are girls. So it doesn't matter if that child died two hours later, three days later, one month, one year, three years. It doesn't matter. And even the child, you know, died three, three years later, but the aqiqah had not been done. It will have to be done exactly, also in the same way. Put it this way: Think about the worst scenario. May Allah protect our children. A child was born and then was snatched in a hospital and could not be seen and could, ne- could never be you know, recovered again. Still even the child is gone, as soon as we know the mother gave birth to a child, still the obligation to give aqiqah remains the light on that, because by birth, the child becomes a mother and all these have got meaning to it, even if the child has been taken, I would just say yes, it could be taken away by death or it's still the obligation remains clear and i really thank you so much for that question the second question someone says apart from uh, salam alaikum apart from the five pillars of islam is there anything else we can do to please allah and do for our community the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that there is nothing that allah loves is that indeed, there is nothing that Allah, Allah, there is no obligation that there is no obedience that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than when someone observes the five obligatory duties. For example, like a salah, or zakah, or hajj, or anything that Allah has made obligatory on you salah, zakah, hajj, obedient to parents, because these are obligations. However, the Prophet wa sallam, goes on to say that once you've done the obligatory instructions, the obligatory duties, then and you do the extras. In other words, after the five daily prayers, for example, you do the nawafil, or after the Ramadan fasting, you do the Sunnah nawafil fasting, like a Monday and Thursday, 13, 14, and 15, the Dovah Ashura, or fasting the suyam of Dawud alayhi Oh, beyond the zakah, you give more sadaqa and sadaqa. The Prophet ﷺ said that when you do more extras, Allah becomes your eye with which you can see, the ear with which you can hear, the arm with which you can grasp. And if you ask Allah for help, He will definitely answer it. And if you seek His protection, He will certainly give you and grant His protection. So, apart from the five obligatory prayers, do anything. Do anything whatsoever, do anything whatsoever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that when someone dies, he is open, he is made now, it is made clear to him his destiny. He will see what his final destiny is going to be. And that particular moment, a person would wish to come back to this world, to come back to life. And what is it that he's going to wish to do? He will not wish to do Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, and Maghrib, no. But he would wish, among other things, the Sunan. And the most important Sunnah he would wish to do is to give charity. And the charity is not compulsory. Although we define, we translate zakah as charity, there is no such a thing as voluntary, I mean, obligatory charity. Charity can never be obligatory, it is charity. So zakah is obligatory. But one of the things that deceased person would wish to come back and at least do, because of, after seeing the reward that results from that, would be to give charity. So your question makes it very clear. I hope, inshallah, you are committed to the obligatory acts of worship, but do anything in any, in in the obligatory action of acts of worship, anyone, the sky should be the limit. Those who can for example, you know, do Umrah, they can do Umrah. Those who can do extra hajj, they can do extra hajj. Those who can give nafil, qiyamun they can do that. Those who can extend reading the Qur'an, they can do that. If all you can do subhanallah, alhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, so do. If you can venture into helping and extending a hand in charitable work, do so. And the sky should be the limit. And there's so many hadith that highlight the importance of that. Another caller said, Shaykh Salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. My question is regarding alcohol medicine. I brought strepsils and notice it contains a type of alcohol, uh, 2, 2.4 uh, dioclorobenzile alcohol and as one of the antiseptic ingredients, is this permissible to use or not? Um, I, I, I don't know the, 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 the ingredient you mentioned here. I am not an expert in this, but what I've picked up, you say that is an antiseptic ingredient. Probably I can understand that. And um, I would say that, of course, um, you, you have a right to go and speak to experts, especially your doctor, your GP, or the pharmacist. If there is anything you feel that look, I would if I would prefer if I can get uh, a medicine or um, you know a drug that is free from things that are considered to be harmful or Ill- uh, unlawful in Islam. Obviously, they can give you an alternative if it is there. But if the alternative is not there, sometimes we're definitely allowed to use some of the ingredients, although they might have alcohol in them, as long as it's not meant for consumption. For example, if there is an alcoholic element that is used in antiseptics or in, uh, for example, you want to wipe the top of your cover, wipe the chairs and the kind of the tissues, uh, the anti- antiseptic kind of you notice know, you are using, they've got elements of alcohol, which is the uh, ingredient that is intended to kill the viruses that are harmful to you, then there is nothing wrong at all with that. So, uh, you know, if it's something you're going to use, to, for example, for, you know, for, uh, to, to take as a tablet or a cream, and you feel that this, uh, there is an alternative, you have the discussion with your doctors. And if there isn't always the priority is going to be given to protection and preservation of life. If you don't have any option but to use anything, even if it is haram, it becomes accept, accepted because of the to be a But because in matter of necessity, will always... Re, uh, will 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 also make that which is normally unlawful to become acceptable and that's why it is permissible for someone to eat haram food for the purpose of preserving his own self is it permissible to take to use for example um, you know tissues that might be for example you know grown in um, you know in uh, you know in other animals if it is the only is the only tissue that is available to protect and preserve and save your life, then there is nothing wrong at all with that. And this, uh, issues issue are uh, very well known in the world of Islamic, uh, you know, fiqh in the Islamic jurisprudence. And uh, but the key point: make sure discuss it with your doctor, pharmacist, whatsoever, and see if they can get an alternative with which you feel you are happy and it will serve the purpose for which it is being prescribed. And uh, so that is um, uh, that will be the. Hopefully, inshallah, Um, I feel we have enough time for the next question. Um, uh, this is a very important. Please, someone says so, and I don't know until I read it. Can you talk briefly about the need for husband to also try and look good so that they, their wives will also enjoy being with them? Please, if possible, can you quote sources of hadith that encourage men to look good for their wives? khair. This is this is the toughest one I've ever. I've ever had. I hope maybe the caller is uh, the sister. Uh, w- what I would say, I think there, there is um, a very there's, there's an unspoken message here that is coming from our sisters to uh, the brothers. And uh, of course, you know the, the chemistry that lies that that lies the mawadda and the rahma, the love and affection that Allah has put at the core ingredient between the husband and wife has got things that are going to spice them up and uh, of course we know that one of the things rasulullah sallallahu used to do he used to love the perfume and i know in this country uh, subhanallah sometimes using perfume is not very much encouraged especially when you are going to public area but when you are at home and you know it can spice up and it can you know uh, raise the level of the chemistry and affection and uh, attraction and feeling mashallah you know close up to one another why not I, I think the message is there, and what the sister is saying that is too much, and it's enough is enough for husbands who do not really shape up, and uh, they do not actually look after themselves, and this is um, you know something that needs to be discussed. Um, but I know it can be very difficult for the husband to tell he, her wife, her husband, to her husband, to tell his wife that well, you know, you got look after yourself, or the other way around. But I think it is um, it is well understood that uh, everyone needs this is required from one another both men would need to see their wives looking after themselves in as much as women can be looking I uh, would be looking for you know the, the you know the, the x-factor in their husband that will make them be attractive to them and I know and I've had so many situations where our well, marriage has been broken has uh, broken down simply because you know when people go back home it is really, you know, subhanAllah, regrets after regrets after regrets. It might be that maybe someone doesn't take care of itself, let alone the environment around the house. So you know, be very careful. It's not gonna be the wealth, it's not gonna be, you know, anything, but even that little, the element of the love is made, and it's gonna be made out of those intrinsic elements that are going to be essential on both the husband and the wives. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَطِيعُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُوا الرَّسُولَ وَأُولِي الْأَمْرِ مِنْكُمْ